What's up, queens and royals? I'm your host, Angel, and you are listening to Awakened Love, a podcast on sex, love, and awakening. And these are the conversations to evoke the wise, wild, woke one within you. Let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened human beings? It is just me today. I figured it would be time to give a little life update. So much has happened. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yeah, in the last month, it's nearly a month to the day that I went off into the jungle for my dieta, for my 30th birthday, and then was in Mexico celebrating with friends and getting engaged, all the things. So if you follow me along on Instagram, you will have seen the engagement. Yeah, I shared a lot of happy tears with many of you. so beautiful right like how often do we cry like hard cry because we're happy that was such an incredible experience for me and that I'm going to share a little bit more about Uh, but if we're not friends on Instagram yet then we absolutely should be you can follow along at Angelica Alana A-N-G-E-L-I-K-A A-L-A-N-A don't be shy. I love to communicate with my community and I'm pretty good at responding on direct messages so head on over and say hi But what I haven't shared about really on Instagram or anywhere is my experience in the jungle, my dieta. And of course, I'm still integrating. It's a lot to integrate. (laughs) I've been pretty sparing with medicine work over the years. I sat with medicine for the first time when I was 23. uh, And I've only sat in ceremonies a handful of times since then um, because it just takes so long to integrate. I think Jamie Will said it best on a podcast. I was listening to him with Kyle Kingsbury, I think. And they were talking about psychedelic medicine and how, you know, the difference between an alchemist and an addict is do you bring the gold back and do you ship it? And I think what he meant by that, it really struck me is like, if you're going into these psychedelic medicine spaces, are you taking the time to integrate fully and then take that integration and turn it into contribution and service and sharing it? Are you sharing it with the world? Are you making a positive impact? If not, what's the point, right? So that that really rang true for me. And so I found myself called once again by the grandmother I didn't know for sure actually if I would sit with medicine, but I knew about a year ago I started to get intuitively the hit really strong that for my 30th, I needed to be in solitude in the jungle. And I was like, well, okay, that sounds cool, but also was not what I anticipated (laughs) for my 30th. But it just came through really strong, really powerful. And then the opportunity arose with magnificent synchronicity and timing to sit with three generations of women, maestras, who have been wisdom keepers carrying this lineage for a long, long time from Peru. So it just lined up so perfectly. I couldn't I couldn't say no. I didn't want to say no. It just felt very, very divine. So off I went uh, to Costa Rica and to be immersed in the jungle. I, I really had no idea what I was getting myself into <laughs> in the best way. You know, I've sat with Aya before and I've done uh, psychedelic medicines in ceremony space sparingly, but consistently over the last, what, seven or so years. And I didn't quite grasp the difference between a dieta and an ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> so for those of you listening, most people think that the di- a dieta is 
the diet that you're meant to be eating before and after you sit with ayahuasca. And yes, there is a diet that you are supposed to eat and stick to, like no salt or reduced salt, no red meat, no alcohol, no caffeine, a whole bunch of stuff, um, no sugar, no processed foods, yada, yada, yada. And that is a dieta, <laughs> but that's not a dieta, honey. <laughs> uh, and so a dieta is sitting with a master plant that is not ayahuasca. And so there's many different plants you can diet. And the intention is to connect to that plant as an ally for your spirit, for your soul. It's like a badge in your energy field. And Shipiba Maestras can actually see in your energy field, what you, what, which plants you have dieted without you telling them. It's like wild. Magic is real. Wow, wow, wow. And so ayahuasca is part of your dieta. It's helping you to connect with this other plant, which the maestras will usually choose for you based on your intentions and what they see and your goals and your experience. Uh, and yeah, so it's it's totally different. <laughs> it's 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 a deep dive, and and although it feels a lot more intense, honestly, it's really not at all comparatively to what these maestras go through in order to become the medicine women that they are. You know, they would diet a plant in solitude in the Amazon for years, sometimes six months minimum, up to a year, maybe several years of very little contact with anyone, no talking isolation, silence, fasting. And essentially the point is to have nothing in the way of your contact with connecting with this plant so that it can really embed in your energy system as an ally. And so I arrive in Costa Rica, not fully, fully aware. And of course you think you understand something intellectually, but you know, experience is a different thing. (laughs) It really is. Uh, And so, you know, leading up to my dieta, I was very aware that there was a part of me that was uh, slightly attached to the fact that I'd never purged in any ceremony, which is very unusual. And I'd only ever had extremely blissful experiences. You know, most people talk to you about ayahuasca ceremonies. They'll tell you about walking through hell and like just really intense things that in the end become profound and healing and wonderful, but they kind of have to walk through the underworld to get there. I had never had that experience. I'd only experienced meeting God, experiencing bliss, weeping from the beauty of the universe, just really having a blast. And the only thing that would ever come up in my ceremonies that was slightly uncomfortable would be, am I allowed to be having this much fun? (laughs) Am I not meant to be like doing some deep work and everyone's like, throwing up and crying. And I'm like, this is amazing. (laughs) And so, you know, that would be my work is just to open be like, it's okay to have this much fun. It's okay to be in joy. It's okay to be in bliss. It's like, whatever is true, wherever you're at is what's true. Um, And so going in, I was kind of like, maybe I'm just never going to purge. Like maybe that's just not something that my body does. Maybe my body like works well with the medicine. Maybe because I've been on the spiritual path for so long and been in practice and had sadhana for so long that I don't have to like have a really difficult journey. And look, those two things do count. Like having, you know, I was like, maybe I just have really good energy. (laughs) It's true. I do have good energy most of the time. And that's because I spend a lot of time on my energy. Holy shit. My energy is like my optimal primary devotion. (laughs) You know, I've created my life around that. 
and I'm, you know, not everyone has all the time that I have in the morning to do my morning routine and my stretching and make all my tinctures and my libations and look outside. And I've set my life up intentionally so that I can do that because my energy is my, is my job. People pay me really good money to show up and be able to hold them with ex- exquisitely, with beautiful uh, intention and, and full integrated energy. And yeah, I have been in, in practice and for a long time. You know, I have been practicing yoga since I was 15 and I've had a really solid morning routine for at least the last seven years. Like, so all of that does count in psychedelic space. Don't get me wrong. It does count. You know, there have been times in LSD journeys where I'm like, wow, if I didn't have a mindfulness practice right now, this would be really difficult. But instead it's just kind of a meditation, but I'm witnessing how it could be difficult. Um, And I'm so grateful for my mindfulness practice. So it does count for something. But what I was also starkly aware of is that there was a part of me attached to that story. And I was like, oh girl, you're going to get your ass kicked. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not attached to that. I'm not attached to that. And I would always joke, I'd be like, you know, I'm not, I humbly vow the feet of ayahuasca. Like I've never had a bad experience, but you know, next time I could chip my pants. And I would always say that. And Patrick's like, stop saying that. Like you're going to make it come true. And I was like, you know, really doing my best to not be attached to that story, really doing my best to be like, and intellectually, I was like, that is not a good idea to be attached to that story. Intellectually, I was like, come empty and all of those things. But low key, I was attached. (laughs) I was like, I got good energy and I'm an advanced practitioner. So I'm going to be all good, honey. (laughs) You guys know how this is going to (laughs) end. Oh, shit. So I arrive and I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little closed, honestly, which I didn't, I, I, as well, I didn't realize at the time it was only through the medicine and like retrospectively that I get, get to look at this. And it's very subtle. You know, my version of arriving closed is still me being warm to everyone and blah, blah, blah. But my heart wasn't fully open and, I, and it's a subtle thing, but I could feel it later. And so looking back, I like arrive and I was like, why was my heart not fully open? And I realized I was scared. I was nervous, but I wasn't actually even fully aware that I was scared and nervous because in my mind I was like this just feels true I don't feel nervous I feel ready which was also true it's so interesting these layers like it's like one doesn't cancel out the other but on a deeper layer there was a part of me that was afraid that was gripping that was attached that was creating um you know a a subtle sense of closure in my heart space which is really not where you want to be when you arrive in ceremony and yet most of us do have a little bit of contraction to work through that's the work right So I arrive and, you know, I'd been a month off caffeine and all the things you have to come off to be really clean. So you arrive feeling pretty, pretty clean, pretty clear. And essentially you go into silence. So you're not speaking to anyone. You're alone in your, in my jungle hut, which is so gorgeous. Just being in the jungle um, amidst all the nature, you're not allowed to bathe. So you're allowed to have water and of course, different traditions, um, teach this differently, but the Shipibo, they have a lineage that's extremely deep and very ancient. And so whatever they say to do, you want to do it. And there's going to be parts of you, at least there are parts of me that's like, I don't really understand why I have to do that. Like, why am I not allowed to have sex before and after? And part of me is like, is that just like patriarchy? Like what's going on there? And then I really had to quiet that voice and say, listen, this is not your lineage. You haven't been sitting with the plants for years at a time in the jungle and haven't been given an oral tradition that's unbroken from however many generations. Sit your ass down and do what you're told. <laughs> you're a student here, just do what you're told. And so I did, I did what I was told uh, and I followed the rules. But it's interesting to see the parts of me that was like, but why, but why? 
And so, you know, yeah, you, you don't bathe. You're allowed to be in water, but there's no soap. You're not allowed to wash yourself with soap, no moisturizer, nothing on your skin, like nothing, no washing your hair, deodorant, nothing like that, because there's nothing to interrupt your connection with the plant. So that was, you know, it's interesting. And I thought that it'd be really difficult. I was like, oh, wow, maybe it's going to be quite difficult being alone and silent. And of course, there's people around, but through it, when you go into ceremony, you sit in ceremony with other people, but you're not talking to anyone, you're not interacting with anyone. And then at meal times, there was usually one meal a day at 12 p.m. So you're fasting for basically 23 hours a day. Um, there are a couple of days where there was a meal at nine. So we'd fast for 21 hours or something. Uh, instead of 23. So you're fasting, you, you really get into this pure state. You're in silence, you're in stillness, you're in solitude, you're fasting, you're not bathing, you're not really doing anything but other than being and listening and receiving. And so you really get to know yourself pretty well. The whole thing was very subtle for me, but I was listening. So the first ceremony, I drink my first cup and I fall asleep, <laughs> which is really unusual. I, that's never happened to me before, but it was literally like I got hit with a tranquilizer dart. Like I just couldn't not. And then um, I woke up and then the ceremony was over. And I had obviously woke up for my ikaras, um, which are the songs the, the maestras sing to your energy body. They're like really healing through these ancient songs and sounds. And it's it's like so, so powerful. You feel them working on you essentially with these ikaras. So I was awake for that and then I fell back asleep and then I woke up again and it was over. And so I didn't, other than, you know, being in ritual and, and having the beauty of these ikaras, I didn't really feel too much. The one thing I did experience was some violent attack thoughts. And so, you know, I was like, wow, that's interesting. And just kind of meditating with that, doing my best to stay in witness and watch them and just kind of observe. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Um, it's not something that, is usual for me. It's not, doesn't, it's not that it's never, ever happened, but it's not a regular thing. So I was like, hmm, interesting, but no visuals and nothing else. No purging didn't really feel too much. I thought, huh, it's really interesting. Um, I've never had that experience with the medicine before. The next night, so there's five ceremonies. We're in Dieta for, I think, 10 days. So eight days of silence and fasting and, you know, alternating ceremonies. Second ceremony, I do my best to stay awake I was like, okay, I'm going to drink the first cup and I need to stay awake. And I felt like I'd been hit by a tranquilizer dart. It was really a lot of work to stay awake, which seems interesting, but I did it. I stayed up. And then when time came to drink the second cup, I went, okay, I'm in. I'm going to go a full second cup, <laughs> which those of you who have sat realize that's a lot of medicine. <laughs> but I thought, well, hey, I'm not, I'm not feeling anything. So maybe, you know, and I know that sometimes ayahuasca will seduce you that way. She, you can drink a full top, cup, you can drink two full cups and not feel anything because she wants you to drink three or, you know, she wants you to drink two or one and a half or whatever. She wants you to go deep. So she kind of like seduces you. And so she seduced me <laughs> and I went for it. <laughs> I drank a second cup. Very shortly after, I began to shake. Uh, yeah, shake all over. It was really interesting, actually. I mean, if I could actually do that consciously, I would be a twerk master, for real. Like I was isolating each of my glutes separately, like boom, 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 left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, like so fast, so rapidly um, that I was thinking, wow. And I was sort of internally just making jokes at first, like, wow, Shakita, Shakita. I was like, wow, my hips do not lie, honey. <laughs> like really just <laughs> kind of sitting with it. 
laughing to myself. And then they got more intense and it was full on like exorcism style shaking, like legs flinging up, arms flailing around, like shivers up the spine. That was really the the hallmark of it. And any of you guys who are into Kundalini yoga know that that is a big sign of Kundalini, which after the fact I realized, but actually during I didn't, I was just like, whoa, this is super intense. And luckily a voice came to me early on and said, say thank you. And so that became my mantra. For hours and hours and hours, I shook and 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 it was extremely physically intense. I mean, holy shit, a lifetime of of stored tension, trauma, whatever the hell was deep healing was happening. It was, you know, she was healing something, she was moving something and there was a lot of it. Uh, and so my job, at least from my perspective, was to not add a layer of mental suffering on top of what was already extreme physical intensity. And so I just said thank you over and over and over and over for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and I remember early in in that process, I was thinking, ah, shaking is a form of purging. Maybe I'm going to shake instead of throw up. Um, Interesting. And I was just kind of like, huh, interesting, okay. Um, And I've always said, by the time I'm done with you, you're going to beg to throw up. And I was like, oh, shit, girl, okay. (laughs) Okay. And totally forgot about it, just shaking. And then throughout the whole time, I just heard this voice saying, hmm, young cub, Hmm. Oh, young cub. I was just like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Quite a sight, really. I can laugh now. It didn't seem, it seemed funny in the beginning, but really that went off pretty quick. (laughs) Just shaking and shaking. And, and, and before this ceremony, this is the second ceremony, I had had some realizations, you know, I'd only been three days of silence at that point. So I was already pretty deep in. I popped in pretty quickly to a deep, deep space. And what I'd been noticing is that I started to have these memories before this ceremony, particularly I was journaling like mad because all these connections were happening. And anyone who sat with medicine knows that this is part of it, not just during the medicine, but, you know, before, after, between if we're listening, is these kind of connections dropping in about our lifetime and and all of that. So I started having these memories of my, my earliest memories, which I had already been aware of, but I just never made these connections, which was uh, my earliest memories of waking up as a toddler, two, about two, two years old, terrified, absolutely terrified, just feeling like a presence in the room, like feeling, feeling energy essentially and feeling so so overwhelmed and scared that I would get up and I would run up the stairs. I would unlock the quote unquote childproof gate at the top of the stairs, maybe the bottom of the stairs, I don't know, wherever you put childproof gates, top, I think, so you don't fall down them. That makes sense. And run into my parents' room and dive into their bed. And I would do that every night as a toddler. Uh, And what I also realized, and this is kind of weird, only weird after the fact, didn't feel weird at the time, is that I slept in my mum's bed until I was like 12 so my dad worked away in Sydney and would fly back on the weekends and I'd have to sleep in my own bed. And when I would have to sleep in my own bed, the same thing would happen. I'd feel terrified of the dark. And it wasn't the dark that I was afraid of. It was like this energy, this energy that I could feel. And I used to call it the face. I'd like placed a face on it. I didn't realize at the time, it just seemed like this face would appear. It was like this energy that would come in the darkness and I would wake up in the middle of the night and be terrified. And if you've listened to my first podcast episode, you know that I had many kind of what I would describe as supernatural, at least at the time it felt supernatural experiences that scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> That's why I started going to psychics and 
kind of always had this spiritual connection, but my only understanding of that was like horror movies and supernatural stuff, which always felt creepy and scary. So I was always really, really scared. And so that memory came back because those feelings started to come back for the first time in a really long time. I was, you know, in this jungle hut by myself in the, in the dark and I was starting to get that, that feeling at night again, this like fear. And I was like, huh, super interesting. And I was like, I've been afraid of the dark my whole life. Like, what is up with that? And did that just get suppressed? Or because I thought that that was healed, but now I'm feeling it again. So I was just kind of in the inquiry, like, what, what is up with that? Um, this, there's something here. I didn't know what it was, but I was like, there is something here for me, for sure. And so I was kind of diving into all of that before this second ceremony. And so as I'm shaking for hours and hours and hours, I'm starting to feel like I can't take this anymore. Like, I don't, I don't think I can... I don't think I can take this. And this is probably, you know, it's, we start the ceremony at eight, probably started shaking at nine. (laughs) And this is about uh, 3am or something. And I finally am just like, I think I need to ask for help, which is totally allowed. Like if you need the facilitator, you just, you just ask. It's not a big deal at all. But in my mind, I was like, no, I've been afraid of the dark. I have to do this alone. Like this is for me to do alone. So I was, you know, I think probably at midnight I had that thought or 1am and I'm just like, no, I've got to do this alone. So I shake for you know a few more hours. And then the thought occurs to me, maybe, maybe the healing will happen. Maybe I'm supposed to ask for help. Maybe that's the healing. And I was like, well, <laughs> either way, I don't think I can handle this anymore. Like I need help. And so I, you know, did the signal to have the facilitator come over. And, and as soon as she came over, firstly, she looked like a white owl which was so interesting. And I spoke to her later and that is birds are her spirit animal. She's, she's, it's always birds, different birds. But it's interesting that we, you know, in these spaces, we can see that and feel each other so deeply, like down to the soul that you can actually get a visual representation of the soul kind of essence and energy that you're perceiving. So it's really cool to kind of in these spaces, what was once subtle becomes obvious and even visual. And she places her hand on, her, on my heart and as soon as she does, I start to weep. And I don't know why I'm crying. I'm just crying. I'm just releasing again another purge. And that voice that had been throughout the the journey saying, oh, young cub, and say thank you, (laughs) kind of guiding me and just this only presence. Because the the whole time until the owl and visual, I had had zero visuals, just shaking, nothing but shaking. Um, And this voice. And so she comes, she places her hand on my heart. I weep, weep, weep. And as she does, I hear that same voice say, oh, young cub, your pride gets in the way. And I thought of my dad in that moment and how grateful I am for him that he passed me pride because so many of us have parents that are kind of in a different frequency of apathy. You know, this is just how life is. Don't expect any more or violence or, you know, just, some terrible shit, right? And so I'm grateful that my dad was like a proud man and instilled pride in me. Like, you know, you deserve the best and it's work hard and it's important to be, you know, the best at what you do and really like instilled this pride, which was good for me in essence, right? In many ways, I'm grateful for it. But what I realized in that moment, and it's so funny because all of this drops into your consciousness in a split second. It's not like you're sequentially thinking it's taking me, you know, however many minutes to describe this to you, but it drops into your consciousness in an instant, uh, which is also always how my channel has worked. I've always had, I think they call it clairsentience, where things just drop into your consciousness in whole, totally whole and intact. 
and I believe that we all have different abilities. It just depends if we've stayed open to them or not, whether it's, you know, clairvoyance, clairsentience, clairaudience. All of these capacities are human capacities. It's not like I'm super special. That's why I have this. It's like, no, we're human. This is human. This is magic is real. <laughs> we're all wise women, witches with capacities to, to feel beyond what we've been taught we can feel and to know beyond what we've been taught we can know. And so what I realized is that my dad's pride had gotten in the way of his relationships and how his vulnerability and his ability to connect and, and, my pride of thinking I have to do this alone had gotten in the way. And as soon as I was vulnerable and said, I need help, everything shifted. And so that was the lesson for me. And I was like, oh, wow. Like I thought I had learned about vulnerability and receiving and asking, but not at this level. (laughs) The medicine was like, no girl, this is it. Um, We're going deeper. And so as soon as I had that realization, I wept for my dad and I I had gratitude for him. It was such a mixed bag. It was like so much gratitude for him and all he's taught me and all he's given me. And also I wept for how much the pride had gotten in the way of him being loved and loving and fully seen and held and known. And as I wept for him, I kind of made an internal vow that that would stop with me. So of course, this is the ancestral healing that people talk about that can happen in these spaces. And as that happened, literally a caricature of a lion flew out of my energetic body, like this pride program that had been living there just kind of flew out. And as that happened, this snow leopard started to circle me and it was the voice that had been with me the whole time. And she said, ah, young cub, your pride, it gets in the way. And just through the transmission of this animal circling me, I got the difference between power and force, the difference between pride and courage. And there was just so much strength, but also stillness and grace to this animal. And she laid down inside of me and felt like it was integrating. It was one of the most powerful and profound experiences of my entire life. At that point, I thought, maybe I'm done shaking. (laughs) And no, I was not. (laughs) I was still shaking and I was like, oh man. And then I remembered, wait, that boy said that I could beg. Oh my God, Ayahuasca, please, I beg you, please, please, let me perch, please. (laughs) On my knees. I think I even got up and turned around on my knees and like put my head on the ground and said, please, please, I beg. Releasing, I was like, really, I got no pride right now, honey. (laughs) I am all courage. I really absorbed this lesson. Please, Ayahuasca. I'm having the courage to beg you. And then I did purge and it was like, oh, the sweet relief. And what was also is hilarious is I laid down and I was like, great, now I'm not going to shake anymore. And then I started shaking again. I was like, wait a fucking minute, what? And the voice said, well, it's not one or the other, which is just like such an amazing metaphor for life. Don't wish for something different thinking, but if I was only doing that, then this would stop happening. It's like, it's not one or the other. Now you're just vomiting and shaking. I was like, ah, okay, cool. (laughs) Right. Great. I mean, pardon me wonders if I should tell this part, but I'm just, I'm like here, I'm probably going to have the hugest vulnerability hangover from this, but we've come this far. So by this point, I was like, I think I'm still shaking, but I've had enough clearing, like I'm enough in my body that I think I could get my vehicle to the bathroom and I need to pee. So I was like, okay, I like managed to get myself up all disoriented. And the Shipibo Maestros, they work in the dark because that's their spiritual vision. They can see in the dark and they really can. It's so wild. Uh, it's yeah. Wow. Powerful, powerful, powerful women. And wow, more on that in a moment. But I get up, I managed to kind of get my shaking body shaking its way to the bathroom, to the windy loos, as we call them in Australia, the eco toilets. Uh, so it's a drop toilet. And I, 
I'm pretty out of it, but I'm like managed to open the lid and sit down and I uh, sit in someone else's shit. <laughs> like there's no good way to say this, guys. I, yeah, they had pooed all over. <laughs> Sorry, I can't keep it together. They had food all over the toilet seat. And I was like, wow, okay. Ooh, whoa, this is happening. So I clean myself up and I try not to freak the fuck out. And I don't, which is good because a part of me is like oh, wanting to freak out. And I don't. So I clean myself up and then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to clean all of this up. And as I'm cleaning it and thinking, wow, this is really intense. What I realize is, man, you thought you were having an intense evening. Someone else is really having such a fucking intense evening that they shat everywhere. Like, holy fuck. And I just sent whoever this is, like sent them silent blessings, like blessings of protection and love and just like strength and courage and just cleaned up and just did that as an act of devotion. And that was a really big life lesson as well. In that moment, I was just like, wow, if you think you're having a bad time, like it can always be worse. <laughs> so just, you know, be grateful for where you're at. And also being in service, being in devotion really snaps you out of it, snaps you out of your own stuff. And it did. I was like, wow, okay, I'm still shaking, but I'm strong enough now to go back to bed because the ceremony had been closed for hours. They always leave at least one facilitator in in the room with people in the ceremony space. It's like an in, indoor, outdoor kind of vibe um, because you know, people, some people aren't done. Sometimes you're finished when the ceremony closes like I was on the first night and sometimes you are really not done. But I managed to get myself up and get myself back to my jungle hut and take my things with me. And just be in in that space. And, and I thought maybe the shaking would stop, but I kept shaking and I shook and shook and shook until the sun rose. And eventually I fell asleep and it was so intense. And I must say, I woke up the next morning thinking, wow, I have three more ceremonies. Like, can I even, like physically, can I even handle that? And I was like, well, you're going to find out, girl. And the next morning, what's so wild is the medicine builds in your system, but also you're fasting. There's like, you're in silence. The veil is so thin. Uh, the snow leopard came back to visit me and helped heal my system, put its paw on my solar plexus and was helping restore my chi and my power and just was being with me. Oh my God, it makes me emotional because I felt scared and alone. And this animal came to be with me so that I wasn't alone. It's like wild, guys. We're so supported. And all we have to do is ask. Ask for help. Ask for guidance. Ask to be held. It's like anyone listening who's been having a hard time or feeling alone or feeling spent or feeling like they can't go on like I was in that moment, like I can't face anymore, I can't handle anymore, ask for help. And it doesn't even have to be from our physical bodied brothers and sisters. It might be like I did asking for the help from the facilitator, but you can just pray to be held, pray for comfort. And it comes, the energy is here in every moment, always available. Ah, So, so powerful. And, you know, I would share about every single ceremony I had and every single moment I had, but I'd be here forever. So I'll just... I'll just leave it at that as far as the exact ceremonies. But what I will say is that what I started to realize as I threaded together the the pieces of the puzzle, you know, the attack thoughts and the darkness and feeling afraid and the memories of being a child is 
what I had already learned, which I talk about in the very first episode of this podcast, episode one, which was that, you know, every energy in existence exists within us, that we are God, goddess divine, acting as a while, living a while as human, living a while as Angelica, living a while as you. And so when we fragment and separate and say, oh my God, that energy, that's not me, that's something else, we're in a state of disempowerment and conflict. And so this might be, I might be a little advanced, a little confusing for people, but stick with me and maybe it'll drop in. Maybe it's not, maybe it's super easy for all of those listening. But what I realized is that I was afraid of that energy. It's like, I was so good at accepting and welcoming all parts of me and all thoughts and like whatever it was, just witnessing it, but not that level of violence and darkness. I was like, whoa, no, those thoughts, that is not me. I was like, that's some external energy. Maybe I've picked up some energy from someone. And as I externalized it, I gave it more power over me because it's something else. It's something out there. It's something external that I have to quote unquote fight against. So it drains me of my chi, makes me afraid, puts me in a disempowered position. And what I realized on day four or five is that's me. That's my psyche. That's my darkness. And that when we think about enlightened sages and they talk about the nature of the mind, even as enlightened beings that they are, they're not saying the the mind, I've perfected my mind and it's now this pristine place and I only think good thoughts. No, that's not what they talk about. They talk about the nature of the mind being violent and terrifying and weird and wonderful and magical and blissfilled and you know all the things round and round we go, but they have changed their relationship to all of it so that they can sit in the seat of witness undisturbed. And I was getting an initiation in that of like, how undisturbed are you really? Yeah, you're undisturbed when you have you know a relatively mild mind, but can you witness the deepest, darkest, dustiest corners of your psyche and not flinch? You say you want to hold space for those who suffer. You say you want to support people to transform. You say that you can hold non-judgmental space. Start here. And so at first I didn't realize the initiation and I was just like, oh my God, what is that? I've picked up something. That must be someone else. That can't be me. (laughs) And then eventually I realized, oh no, that's my mind. That's the nature of my mind. And that is some dark, weird shit (laughs) that is not my favorite movie to watch, but can I just watch it unobserved? Because when I try to push away from it, that's attachment. You know, in Buddhism, they talk about that attachment and aversion. Aversion is attachment. When we're trying to push away from something or someone, resist it, the resistance holds us to it. As they say, resist what, what you resist persists. You become locked in a power battle, in a, in, a, in a conflict with this energy, with this whatever it is. It's so funny how subtle it is. Like all this is happening in the landscape of my mind. But for most of us, our greatest initiations, our greatest challenges happen in our internal landscape, in the landscape of our mind. And what can happen, at least in my experience, visiting my brother in mental health facilities and seeing people you know, dancing with madness is that their mind becomes so fragmented because aspects of their psyche become not allowed but also they can't separate themselves from those aspects of their psyche. They're not in witness. They're being hijacked by all these different parts, pulling them in different directions. Then that creates distrust of these different parts. And so then they fragment their psyche even more. They're like that voice that's happening. That's not me. That's an external voice. Look at schizophrenia. There's an amazing TED talk on this where the woman started to hear a voice. And what she realized is that that was just a part of her that was afraid 
that was trying to get her to do certain things because she was afraid. It was a protection mechanism, but it was a scary one, right? And she, because of her mindfulness training, was actually able to heal herself through a whole bunch of shit. She went through hell, but she came out the other side. It's very rare for schizophrenia, for people to heal. She healed from that because she was able to realize these fragmented parts of her psyche were actually her. It wasn't some external force or voice that she had to be afraid of and therefore disempowered. How disempowering is that? If you're hearing these voices, if you're feeling these parts, even on a subtle level, we're all a bit schizophrenic because the parts within us that we dislike the most, we disassociate from the most. The parts within us that are ugly and hard to love, we're like, oh, shove that down, repress that, and that becomes our shadow. That fragmented part of our psyche that we try to repress and suppress becomes our shadow and it unconsciously rules us. And so that can be the maximum effect of that or the the most intense version of that is this fragmenting of the psyche to such a point where we disassociate that that's not even a part of me. That's a different personality. That's a different voice because I'm so afraid of it. I distrust it so much that there's no way it could be me. Whereas I know, or if you look at tantric Buddhism, right? The point is to accept and acceptance creates wholeness and integration. And when we're whole and integrated, we're actually less likely to act out these things. Because the fear is, well, if I accept that, then I'll become it. But actually, when we don't accept it, we unconsciously become it. And we don't even think we are that, which is scarier, right? We've met people like that who don't own or know their shadow and they fully are not aware of how manipulative or or whatever it is that they are. And we all have that in in varying degrees. But some people, it's really clear. You're like, wow, you're not even aware. You you are so attached to yourself as as, this type of person that you're not even aware of the behaviors and the way that you act that is so outside of that. And so this is like a masterclass in shadow work for me. I was like, wow, that is me. That is part of my psyche. And I'm still worthy of love. I'm still worthy of being a leader even as a student. I'm still worthy of being a guide, even as someone with a psyche that is full of shadow, right? Because that is the nature of the mind. And I was being called on to witness it. And the phrase that kept coming through is, your mind is not a mess to be perfected. Your mind is art to be witnessed. And as soon as I got it, And I was able to work with that and I was able to meet whatever thought came up, whatever violent attack thought, because it was really in the jungle. It was so fascinating. It was happening a lot. It was the medicine working with me because now it's gone. I don't don't have that here now. If I did, I would know what to do with it, but I'm not experiencing that anymore. And I'd never really experienced that at this level before. And so this was the medicine working working with me. It doesn't always work how we think it's going to work. As they say, you don't get what you want, you get what you need. And so I was being really called forward into the concepts that I teach. Thank the fucking goddess. Yes, Aya. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you, grandmother. Thank you, Albaca, my master plant that I was dieting. That was holy basil calling me forward. If you want to be a teacher, a leader, a facilitator, be a student. And I was, and I am a forever student, but really realizing that the levels of the things we think we're embodied in always go deeper. It's like you reach something at one level. It's a never ending process and it's a continual practice of presence. I realize this is why I meditate. This is what we train for, right? Is to have presence enough to hold whatever arises, to be able to witness whatever arises as art, as God, as the divinity expressing itself. And so that was my task for this time in the jungle to witness whatever came up and go, God, I see you there. God, goddess, I see you there. The most violent, scary, terrifying visuals, thoughts. Goddess, I see you there. 
and not pushing it away, saying, that's not me. I was like, huh, my psyche. I see the nature of mind. And then transcending that even more, being like, my psyche is the psyche, the psyche of all. Moving beyond this duality, this separateness of like, my mind is like this and your mind is like that. No, this is the mind. This is nature of mind. Can I just rest and witness it? Without needing to first, I pushed it away. That's not mine. Then I had to claim it. It was a process. Oh no, that is my mind. And then that allowed me to step through the portal of transcending the not mine, mine, and being, this is the mind. (laughs) Needless to say, it was quite a trip and I'm still integrating. But what also happened, I will share, is that as soon as I started to get this and practice this, I no longer was afraid of the dark anymore. That just went away. And as I spoke to one of the facilitators who was there, she said, yeah, well, if you're not afraid of your shadows, you're not afraid of the dark. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. And, you know, we think, I think Aubrey Marcus said it on a podcast once. It's like you up level in the video game and you get bigger weapons, but you've got to slay bigger dragons. And it's like, we might meet our shadow at one level as I have. I continually, that's my practice to meet my shadow in these spaces. And I had set myself up for a bigger initiation. That's what I asked for. And they were like, all right, meet this part of the psyche. Meet this part of the shadow, right? Where we transcend this idea, it's my shadow. This is the shadow, I mean, there's some shadowy shit in our collective. Think about that. And are we willing to meet it if we're really here to be the, the ones who hold space for transformation, who hold space for non, non-judgment, who are witnessing and hearing whatever is here, whatever is, is emerging, whether it's internally or externally, the ones who are here to witness it in love and simply through hearing and seeing with the eyes of love, allowing it to be transformed. Like I was called forward. Okay, you want to do that? Do it. And yeah, it took me, it took me a second to catch up. <laughs> and I'm so, so grateful to the medicine, to the maestras. And wow, devotion. I watched these women, old women in their 80s, maybe 90s, crawling on hands and knees night after night to sit in front of each person and sing ikaras. The amount of energy it takes, you know, to feel all the to hold all the energy in that room. People's talking about shadow. Holy fuck, there's some wild shit flying around that room. And they, you know, they kept saying, concentrate, be concentrated because when you're not having, like when you're not in single pointed concentration, your thoughts like attack us, right? Like really try and focus your thoughts. That's the best thing we could do to help them. And so they're like, literally crawling on hands and knees. They're crawling because it's in the dark and they're also on medicine themselves and they're old ladies. If you know They don't want to fall over. At least if you're crawling, you can't fall over in the dark to sit in front of each person to sing these healing songs for these, you know, a bunch of Westerners. They don't have to come and share their medicine with us. They don't have to come and like literally devote their entire body and being night after night to the healing of these people, but they do. And I'm just like, whoa, that just showed me so so much about devotion. I wept. I think it was the fourth, maybe the third ceremony. I just sat and wept, 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 wept in gratitude to these women showing me this is what fucking devotion is to be in the middle of the night, carrying your puke bucket, throwing up, healing people, crawling in the dark night after night with a smile on your face. (laughs) Like there's nowhere I'd rather be like such lightness and joy and so much laughter. and, And they're just like, 
wow, 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 bowing so humbly at the feet of these women, female wisdom keepers, the indigenous women of our planet who are really here to keep the wisdom alive and have suffered so much persecution and continue to be suffering at the hands of violence and being disappeared. It's just, yeah, if everyone listening, you know, as starts to consider how can we empower Indigenous women on this planet, empower their voices, empower their work, you know, empower their art, empower their cause, make sure that they are the head voices of climate change, you know, that they are totally involved and welcomed in to these discussions so that they can be the catalysts that they can be for healing and change and transformation. So I just felt such deep reverence and I learned so much about true devotion from these women. Such, oh my God, I could go on for hours and hours, but I'll leave it at that. And then to go into this experience in Mexico, which I can't share too much about. We all signed NDAs to create as much uh, safety and freedom for some of our friends who are a little higher profile. And so what I will say is just my experience of getting to be, firstly, getting to sing. Oh my God, I haven't sang on stage in so long with a full band, brass, trumpets, trombone. It was so incredible. The greatest birthday gift ever, getting to sing a set with them, getting to sing with my love, Patrick, and have his his sort of debut together was just so powerful and amazing, getting to be on stage and sing and such a healing process for me. That's the first time I've ever sang on stage with a band and really just sang for me. I was like, this is for me. This is my birthday. I'm just having a great time. And what a healing experience because I've been on such a journey with music and holy shit, there's been so much pain in my life connected to my attachment to desiring to be a singer. That was my goal my whole life. I went to music school. I actually even had a, a song in the I think it was like number six in the indie dance charts in Australia. (laughs) Like really, really loved music and always thought this is my path. This is my path. Since I could talk, I like came into this world. I was like, I'm going to be a singer from when I was literally could talk. I was like, I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be a singer my whole life. That never changed. It's very unusual for a child to come in with that amount of certainty. This is what I'm here to do. This is what I'm going to be. Um, so it's a really painful, painful death process, letting go of that. It taught me so much about ego, who I think I am, attachment to who I think I am, dying through the death portal of that, only to have it come back and think that maybe maybe it's different and then dying again. It was like such a painful process and so much attachment. And so it was so beautiful to stand up there and really feel the healing of zero attachment. Just like, I'm here to have fun and this, and I want to, feel moved and through me feeling moved, move others and just share my joy and play. Uh, What a fucking amazing experience. Patrick gave the most incredible speech that night. And I stood there and thought, is he about to propose right now? (laughs) Because I was like, this is like really, wow, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, I think I have the video of it somewhere. Maybe I'll post it to Instagram one of these days. And he didn't. And I was like, okay, just keep that to yourself. No, no, no. And then the next day had an all hands massage from seven of my best friends, just like a beautiful ceremony, putting my intentions, speaking them out loud and having them say them out loud, repeating them back to me and feeding them into my physical body with their love and their hands. And so blessed that 
these beings are also healers and facilitators. So just feeling so blessed. I was like in such a state of transcendent bliss. I was literally laying there thinking, and I said out loud, I was like, every person alive deserves to have this experience. So if you're listening, you and your friends absolutely should start the same birthday tradition that we have in our community, which is when it's your birthday, you get an all hands massage. It's mind blowingly whoa. So I'm in an altered state already and I feel them just place a towel over my breasts because I had already rolled onto my back and they were massaging my front. And I was like, huh, they must, I just in my mind because I had a blindfold on because the the light that I'd had that on since I'd been rolled over. I was like, oh, there must be people around. Like maybe there's people walking by or something because, you know, they, they wouldn't cover my breasts. <laughs> like all my friends see my babies. That's for sure. I'm a naked person. I love being naked, suntanning naked, running around. You know, I'm just like not ashamed of my body by the grace of goddess. Thank, thankful for this work and all the work I've done to just really, to love my body and love my breasts and not be ashamed and feel that erotic innocence of just being able to, yeah, play together without it being sexual. You know, it's kind of an amazing gift. Anyway, that aside, it's like little kids, you know, you just like run around naked together and it's like not a thing. And I'm so grateful that our community has that. So I was like, well, if they cover my boobies, there must be people around. Little did I know there were 40 people lining up in two lines behind us. (laughs) And someone was like putting music in my ears and saying, so for this last few minutes, just really want you to like absorb all the love and just go really inward. And so I like had no idea. I was like, great, listening to Unwoven, which is this amazing instrumental. And if you've done my any of my courses or pleasure practices, you've probably heard it in my playlists. And I'm like listening to this song, just fucking melting. Like life cannot get any better than this. And then they start to like put my robe on me and stand me up. I'm like, whoa, where am I going? What's happening? I've got a blindfold on, earbuds in. And then they turn me around. And if you've seen the video, you saw what happened next. And so it was just like, I've never cried that hard, like full on grief cries because I'm happy. It was the wildest, most amazing experience. And I just was so grateful for Patrick, the most romantic, incredible, wonderful man who I'm just so grateful to do life with. Like, holy fuck, I'm so honored to be his wife soon. <laughs> like, whoa, I really don't take it lightly. I really, it's it's so much deeper and so different to me than the traditional idea of marriage. And it took us a long time to get to what is marriage for us and do we even want to get married? And, you know, his mom cried because she was like, I thought you guys were just hippies and you were never going to get married. I'm like, well, we are hippies, but we're going to get married. (laughs) Um, And just like feeling the sacredness of this rite of passage and the ancient nature around it. And there's so much baggage. Oh my God, like patriarchy and ownership and all this baggage. And we get to do it differently and be an example um, of, of doing it differently. And I'm so grateful for all the couples in our life. We have so many incredible, amazing couples, you know, of all different ages, all different stages in their relationship who just really are doing love in their way that's unique to, to them and that's in service to this world. And I'm just so grateful. It's so beautiful. And I can't share much, but straight after that, I was scheduled to facilitate sex magic for, I think there was about 50 women in the room. So you can imagine, I've just had an all hands massage. I've just been proposed to by the love of my life with my entire community there. We ran naked into the water and swam together in the ocean naked to celebrate. And then I'm like, all right, ladies, whoever's coming for sex magic, (laughs) went up into this beautiful room that had been set up. There was sugar-free cacao and sugar-free chocolate and berries all laid out in a beautiful banquet for after and had jojoba oil for everyone. It was just like literally the the best day of my life. It was amazing. Singing the night before, I was just like, how good can you fucking stand it? And 
to facilitate that with that many women alive in the room and really feel that energy. And it was so amazing. So many women, they're like over half, two thirds of the women had never done anything like this. We're like, holy fuck, what is going to happen? That's why when I was singing on stage on Friday night, I was like, okay, just between songs for anyone who's looking at the program, it's like, what the fuck is sex magic? Just a thing. No one is going to be touching anyone else. It's like ceremony, like medicine ceremony. You're in your own space. You're covered with a sheet. You know, it's totally guided like a yoga class and you're in safe, sacred space with women only. And so I think it was really great that I did that because that helped people that were like a little nervous, like what the, what's going to happen? Be like, okay, I, can, I, want, I want to do this. I want to do this. A lot of women hear about this work like I did at first and be like, whoa, I'm scared. Is that going to be weird? Like, I don't know, lots of shame comes up. And then I'm like, but I want to do it. And then when they get into this space, it's just held as sacred ceremonial space. And they're in their own space. They're held by a facilitator. They feel the trust and the energy in the room. There are women crying during it. There are women laughing. We're singing together. I had everyone toning when we got to our heart chakra. And apparently you could hear it from the the beach club, which was across the river, (laughs) across the, the... I guess it's the ocean as a marina, but it was like incredible. We really blessed that space and what a way to seal in my engagement and like this, to bless this union. It was amazing. And that night we had an amazing dance party and I can't share who played, but one of my favorite artists and it was so amazing. And on that dance floor, I had some of the most spiritual moments of my life. And what I realized on the dance floor is that I had, placed my dieta above this experience of being with all my friends. It's not like I didn't think it was going to be amazing, but I didn't think it was going to be as spiritual, quote unquote, or as deep. And I realized in that moment, I was like, wow, why did I devalue this experience? Not intentionally, not even consciously. It was totally subconscious. I was like, this is as spiritual, right? Total opposite ends of the spectrum. Both are so valuable. Both are so different, but just living life presently is so so deep. And what I realized watching this artist perform is that she was so in her element, so in her power, just fucking in her mastery, loving what she does, that I realized all I have to do, all any of us have to do is to love what we do that much, as much as she loves that, and to let the world witness us, which is so vulnerable, to love what we do so much and to let the world see us do it. That was so deep for me. I was like, I got a, a, a badge in my energy field from this artist's performance. It was that important to me. It was that deep. It was that profound. It moved me and changed me that much. One of my friends standing beside me said, this is what's at stake. If we don't shine fully, if we don't stop apologizing for ourselves, if we don't stop shrinking, and she says we as in the collective women, really, And if we don't support women to be so unapologetically themselves, this is what is at stake. Layla said that. You guys have heard Layla on the podcast. Uh, And we were just like in awe of this artist, in rapture. I thought I'd felt rapture before. And rapture was one of my words in the massage that my intention for this this year. Boy, did I feel rapture. I was like, ah. (laughs) Yeah. So... Needless to say, it was some of the most potent, powerful, difficult, amazing, wild, wonderful weeks of my life. And I'm still integrating it. I've been a little bit quiet um, on social lately, still integrating. And it's also winter. I'm just kind of honoring 
the cycles of winter as we go into them. And for those of you that are still here, still listening, thank you for listening. This has been healing for me to share. This has actually been quite profound in my own journey of integration to get to to share this here. So thank you for listening. Uh, for those of you that feel inspired, I really encourage you to think about perhaps an Indigenous organization, community, charity that you can support. I've only just recently realized like, why am I not supporting more Indigenous charities and causes? We had Elena Brower on talking about how important it is to give stipends, no matter how much you earn, giving just a small portion every month, you know, a way to charities or causes or communities that mean something to you, feeling like everything that you earn, you are using to contribute to building a better world, puts us in a more sacred relationship with money and abundance. And it's just, you know, feels so good to be able to use whatever it is we have to share, whatever it is we have to contribute to creating a new world. Uh, I've chosen recently a charity in Australia supporting Indigenous literacy. And so if there's perhaps somewhere in your community, maybe there's an Indigenous or a First Nations people where you live that you can support somehow, but I just really want to invite everyone listening to do that. It doesn't matter how much you earn. Let's all come together to start supporting, elevating the voices of the First Nations communities, the Indigenous people on this planet. It because that really, I believe, is one of the keys we need to turn this ship around, to uh, to make it, to survive, to heal, to grow. And I believe that we can. I believe we can do it together. So thank you for listening. Uh, go and do that now. Don't wait. Don't let resistance kick in. Jump on Google. Have a think about who you can support and how you can support them. Do it now. That's my my invitation. That's my ask. May that be my 30th birthday gift. <laughs> it's a little late, but if you feel like giving me and the world a gift, please, please do that. Uh, love you all so much. Holy shit, I'm so grateful to have a community. I'm so grateful that you've gifted me with your most precious resource, your time, your energy. And may we continue to rise together. May we continue to expand our presence so that we can witness everything as the art that it is to see this beautiful life as the magic sacred thing that it is exactly as it is and from that place of acceptance we can creatively show up to collaborate with life more easily acceptance is not the same as passivity it's not the same as apathy absolutely not it's these are the given circumstances all the energy of the universe has conspired to make this moment exactly as it is acceptance and now how do i choose to respond creativity so may we continue to do that together. May we continue to rise together. And thank you for listening. I will see you guys in a couple of weeks. Bye.